Welcome to Take Up and Read, a bite-sized Bible study podcast on the Sunday Catholic Mass readings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. This Sunday is the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year A. Our first reading is Isaiah 58, verses 7-10, through 10, in which the prophet tells of the blessings that the Lord will bestow on the people if they follow his commandments, offering mercy and upholding justice. The theme of light will tie our first reading psalm and gospel together this Sunday. In the preceding verses, Isaiah has just finished excoriating the people of Judah for their hypocritical fasting practices. For those who live close to the Lord, however, light shall rise in the darkness, and in turn their light shall break forth like the dawn. Elsewhere in Isaiah, the prophet has reminded the people of Israel and Judah that they were to be a light to the nations. As we read at Isaiah 49 verse 6, I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Recall that the Lord had promised to Abraham at Genesis 22, verse 18, By your descendants shall all the nations of the earth bless themselves. Jesus delivers the same summons to conversion during his Sermon on the Mount, which we read from in this Sunday's Gospel. Our psalm this Sunday is Psalm 12, a song of praise to to God for the blessings he bestows upon the upright. For the righteous, light shines through the darkness. Finally revealed in the New Testament, this life is Christ. This light is Christ. As we read in the prologue of John's Gospel, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. The last verse of our selection here is quoted in its Greek version by St. Paul at 1 Corinthians 9, verses 8-9. through God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Finally, to say that the righteous man's horn shall be exalted in glory evokes the image of a mighty bull, promising a corresponding strength of spirit to those who walk in the ways of the Lord. This Sunday's second reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5. through St. Paul's defense of his ministry among the Corinthian church. In his second letter to the same community, it is evident that some had rejected Paul's authority due to his ineloquence in person, preferring others in possession of higher rhetorical skill. One such teacher may have been Apollos, an eloquent Jewish convert from the Hellenistic city of Alexandria in Egypt. While Apollos' teaching and mission did not contradict Paul's, some of the Corinthians may have rejected Paul's exhortations in the absence of direction from Apollos. Even worse, it seems that silver-tongued teachers of error had also gained traction among the Corinthian church, to the great annoyance of Paul. Paul was well aware of his own shortcomings, but nevertheless desired that the faith of his converts might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. It is worth noting that St. Augustine, himself a great teacher of rhetoric, criticized its use for sophistry and deception. Socrates, the father of Western philosophy, was also known to castigate rhetoricians for speaking fine words devoid of truth. Instead, Paul preached with evident reverence for the gospel in his apostolic mission, proceeding in weakness and fear and much trembling. His demonstration of spirit and power likely meant the working of confirming signs and miracles, as Paul is known to have done elsewhere. See, for instance, Acts 19, verses 11 through 12. What is the mystery of God that Paul proclaimed to the Corinthians? In general, this mystery is the gospel of Jesus Christ. At Ephesians 3, however, Paul gives a more specific explanation of this phrase for another Gentile audience. The mystery is made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. 
that is, how the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul did not sugarcoat this gospel either, preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Indeed, our Lord spoke to Paul in a vision while he was in Corinth, encouraging him at Acts 18 verses 9 through 10. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man shall attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Our gospel this Sunday is Matthew 5 verses 13 through 16, which is situated toward the beginning of our Lord's Sermon on the Mount, right after delivering the opening Beatitudes. This is Jesus' first description in Matthew's gospel of God as Father, the first person of the Holy Trinity. He will refer to God as Father 16 more times throughout his fam- this famous sermon, which runs from chapters 5 to 7. Jesus challenges his disciples and listeners to be the light that God had called Israel to be for the nations. This universal vocation to holiness is not just corporate, but is most applicable on an individual basis. Your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Heavenly Father. The light that shines within a disciple, however, is not his own, but that of Christ within him. As our Lord said at John 8, verse 12, which is our gospel acclamation verse this Sunday, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It is this light of Christ which radiates to those around us, and is only as bright as his love is within us. In a similar vein, Jesus calls his disciples to be the salt of the earth, seasoning the world with the gospel and his presence within them. Salt was known in the ancient world for its preservative qualities, and thus the Old Testament uses the term covenant of salt to denote an enduring bond, such as the right of Aaron's descendants to the priesthood, or the covenant with David's dynasty. Salt was also included in Israelite sacrifices, signifying the covenant bond between the Lord and the worshiper. See Leviticus 2 verse 13. Jesus' disciples will be a visible sign of his new covenant established in his body and blood on the cross. Jesus' words about a city set on a mountain that cannot be hidden have a long history in American political discourse, but in context were a reference to the temple on Mount Zion in the city of Jerusalem which dominated the surrounding terrain. In the New Testament, and especially the book of Revelation, the church will be described as a new heavenly Jerusalem. The visible church on earth is the sacrament of a divine reality, which the faithful must make evident to non-believers in missionary activity and through their manner of daily living. That's all we have time for today. Let's conclude with a collect from this Sunday's Mass. Keep your family safe, O Lord, with unfailing care, that, relying solely on the hope of heavenly grace, they may be defended always by your protection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more and find resources, visit studycatholic.com. And please tell your friends about the show and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks again, and God bless.